We're going to have Dr. Baldwin be able to come and open up the Word of God to us. And I've just gotten to know him, and I feel like I have, uh, when we were back there, I feel like our hearts knitted together and uh, just so thankful for him. I thought to myself while he was up there preaching, uh, I thought, man, I'm 52. And he's there, pre man, I've got so much to learn. I, 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 like, I, I thought to myself, you need to pastor me. You need to pastor me. And uh, just he did an excellent, excellent job uh, this morning. And I'm looking forward to what God has for us. So get your Bibles ready. I hope that you prepared your hearts for this. And Dr. Baldwin, would you come and open up the Word of God, sir? Let's make, let's make him feel welcome if we could, please. Give him a round of applause, folks. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Pastor Riddell. We certainly appreciate the opportunity to be here uh, at uh, Open Bible Baptist Church, and we certainly thank the Lord uh, for uh, you all and what you're doing for the cause of Christ. Jeanette and I are, travel a lot. We're in a lot of churches and been around a lot of places, and uh, God has blessed us in meeting wonderful people and just meeting uh, your, uh, your pastor. And then I met Desiree back there, and I said, what another couple I'll add to my prayer list is as couples I've met over, over the different parts of the world that I pray for every single day. And I'm certainly adding your pastor's wife to the list. And we certainly thank the Lord for you all and the opportunity to be here and what God has done and certainly enjoyed meeting all of you. And by the way, in Sunday school, you all did pretty well. I talked about the Smiths and the great time that we had and Austin, of course, his uh, Dallas Cowboy and, and all of that stuff. And then your pastor, you have said something about it. But you all are pretty good. I enjoy preaching, teaching Sunday school. Looking forward to a great uh, time together. So thank you for the, the accommodations, the fruit basket, and just the needs that they've met. And just so many wonderful things. And it's good to be in a good Bible-believing church. That makes all the difference in the world. Well, we're going to eat in a little while, so let's get you out of here as quickly as we can. Why don't we turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29, once you find your place, if you're physically able to stand, I want you to stand. And uh, we'll look at a, a couple of three other passages here uh, during the preaching time. But uh, let's begin uh, here with Proverbs chapter uh, 29. And trust that God will certainly speak to our hearts today. Proverbs 29, verse number 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now let's look at that again. Where there is no vision, in a few moments we're going to find out what a vision is. But the one, one thing I want you to think about now is the people perish. Now, people, we're not talking about animals. We're not talking about products. We're talking about human beings, all right? Keep that in mind. People perish. Nobody wants to perish. We'll find out what perish is in just a few moments. But he that keepeth the law, that's the Bible. The Bible has a way of doing something in our lives and to bring a peace and joy. Happy is he. Our Father, we thank you for the wonderful music we've heard today and uh, the opportunity to be able to see another presentation and hear the testimony of a missionary. Thank you for a local church that's concerned about Nepal already and willing to be able to support this young couple as they go to the field. And thank you for all that has been done this month. Thank you for the opportunity we have together, together now around the preaching of the Word of God Father, I need you to take me as your servant 
cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, then fill me with your Holy Spirit. You bless the preaching of God's holy word. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Uh, Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 18, first of all, is a very uh, familiar verse. It's a, a, an often quoted verse. And it's also a verse that is preached on quite often. As a matter of fact, I've seen it as the theme of mission conferences. I've seen it uh, as a theme of evangelistic crusades. I've seen it over platforms. I've seen it over doors. Where there is no vision, the people uh, perish. Oftentimes it is used uh, as a theme to challenge people like us to be concerned about the souls of mankind and reaching the lost. That's a, a great way to be able to use this verse. It became very special to me many, many years ago. I, I started in the ministry. I'm told that I am not uh, a very funny person. I don't have a whole lot of uh, uh, jokes to tell. Uh, my sense of humor is not that good. Uh, I've tried to improve over the years, but after all of these years, I don't think, according to my wife, I've done very well. So, okay, I accept that. That's the way I am. Well, I started out as a preacher being that way. I've heard a lot of illustrations. I've heard a lot of stories. I've heard a lot of jokes. Since I didn't have any of those, I made up my mind a long time ago, what I'm going to do is preach the Bible. Just preach the Word of God. I'll let the Word of God do what it needs to do in people's lives. So I started out as a preacher uh, 40 years ago. I taught Sunday school. I taught the Bible. I preached in the morning service. I preached the Bible. I preached in the evening service. I preached the Bible. I preached Wednesday night. I preached the Bible. We had mission conferences. I preached the Bible. We had revival meetings. We preached the Bible. I just found out the Bible works. And by the way, it works on any kind of people preach the word of God. I remember many, many years ago, I stood as I do oftentimes at Crossroads Baptist Church on a Sunday morning, the night before I had some uh, on my heart, some people in my church that needed only what the Bible could give them. I got prayed and I sought the Lord and I said, God, help me, cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, fill me with your spirit. You know what is needed. I want to make sure that I preach the Bible in a way that's going to reach these people. I stood behind the pulpit and I started preaching the word of God. I preached hard. I preached simple. I tried to preach with understanding. And those people that needed what I preach. It didn't seem to work at all. It was just, they were sat there, gave the invitation, nobody responded to it, and I, I, I was concerned about it. I got in my car on a Monday morning. I drove about two and a half miles on the other side of Richmond, Virginia. I started talking to the Lord. Why didn't this person respond? Why didn't they get a hold of the word of God? I mean, it's there. That's the answer. It's more than counsel. It's more than anybody could tell them. Just do what thus saith the Lord. And the Lord laid this verse on my heart. And I remember going back and started pondering uh, this verse. And I went back and that next Sunday, I prepared a message entitled, Where there is no vision, the people who they were perish. And as I begin to understand the word of God, uh, when God's word is not known and honored, the people run wild. 
The ones who obey the law, that is the word of God, are truly blessed people. What it literally means, where there is no revelation, where there is no proper view of the word of God, people like us, fundamental, Bible-believing, independent, Baptist people can be without restraint. In other words, where there is no vision, where there is no proper view, where there is no revelation, people like us can become ungovernable, unruly, disorderly. On the contrary, people who understand and obey the Word of God are happy people. It did something to me. One thing that I know for certain, we as Bible-believing independent Baptists, we differ in a lot of things. Sometimes we differ in music. Sometimes we differ in standards. Sometimes we differ in philosophy. But there's one thing we're pretty consistent about. We preach the Bible. We preach the Word of God. You can go to the average independent Baptist church any place on the world. They're going to open up their Bible. They're going to give you something from the Word of God. And I realize that just because we preach the Bible, just because we read the Bible, just because we quote the Bible, if I don't have a proper view, a proper revelation of what it means to me, I will perish. I can become slothful. I can become stubborn. I can become stingy. I can become a, a sinful even. If I don't have a proper view of the Word of God. This past month, you've heard the Bible preached by missionaries, by speakers. They've given you the precious Word of God. Today, we're going to make some decisions as to what I'm going to do with what I heard, what I read. And let me encourage you to understand something. Where there is no proper view, there is no proper revelation of what you heard. We can perish. We can become ungovernable, unruly, disorderly, callous, unconcerned, stubborn, stingy, selfish, and yes, even sinful, as we see all the time. I want to preach to you today this final Mission Sunday, a vision every church member ought to have when it comes to missions. I preach in missions conferences all the time. We hear missionaries present their presentations all the time. And yet there are people who watch presentation after presentation, hear message after message, I mean read Bible after Bible, and never one time ever have a personal view or personal revelation of what does it mean to me. God, I need to hear something. I need to read something. I need to sense something that's going to change my life, change my direction, change my calling, change my purpose, change my heart, change my giving. Because I don't want to perish. I don't want to become ungovernable, unruly, uncaring, callous, stubborn. Give me something that'll move me, change me, stir me, make me a little different than I was before. I had a vision that changed my life. Where there is no vision, people 
like us will perish, become ungovernable, without restraint, uncaring, callous, stingy about what doesn't even belong to us. May God give us a vision that'll change my life. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, before the Bible was completed, God spoke to his prophets in a vision. Sometimes that vision was a dream. But if you go back and look at the visions that the men of God had in the Bible, when they had a proper view, a proper revelation of what God was saying, it changed their life, it changed their direction, it changed their purpose. Now God doesn't give us those kind of visions uh, that they had in the Old Testament and the early part of the New Testament, unless you have somebody like the Smiths who take you to Red Lobster. And Red Lobster has all the shrimp, shrimp that you can eat. And you started eating a whole bunch of that. And you go to bed at night. And I'm gonna tell you, you'll have some visions. <laughs> some of you will experience that after you eat lunch. I'm not talking about that kind of vision. I'm talking about a vision of the Word of God. I'm talking about when I hear, when I read, when I quote, I hear the inspired, inerrant Word of God that tells me something about missions, tells me my responsibility, tells me my duty. God move me, stir me. Because according to this same Bible, I'll perish. I'll become ungovernable, unruly, without restraint. I want to look at three prophets very quickly in the Bible who had a vision. We don't have these kind of visions here, but I want you to take the principle of the vision they had. And I believe when it comes to missions, if I'm going to change, if I'm going to do more than I did before, if I'm going to be what God wants me to be, I need these principles to work in my life. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Very quickly turn forward to the book of Isaiah. Chapter number 6. Here's the first vision. Every member of Open Bible Baptist Church needs to have when it comes to mission. It's a vision that Isaiah had. Isaiah chapter number 6 verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died. I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. High and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. Isaiah 6 verse number 3. And one cried unto another. And said holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth. Is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved. Uh, at the voice of him. That cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims, uh, one of the seraphims uh, unto me, having a live coal in his hand, uh, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, 
and thy sins purged. Here, one of the most quoted verses in the Bible, one of the most claimed verses in the Bible, sometimes one of the most misunderstood Bibles, verses in the Bible. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 8. We hear the call of God. We hear the answer of the man of God. What we fail to understand, before Isaiah could ever say to God who was calling, here am I, send me, he had a vision. In verses 1 through 7, in that vision, he had a proper view of something he needed before he could ever go and do what God wants him to do. He needed this vision, a vision of self and where he stood with the Lord. I'm convinced today we'll never have men and young people call. We'll never have people go. We'll never have people give until every man who's saved by the grace of God comes to a point in his life. God, give me a vision of where I stand with Almighty God. And in that vision, he took his eyes off King Uzziah and put his eyes on Almighty God. And all of a sudden he did what every person needs to do today. He became conscious of God's position. And he saw him high and lifted up. He saw the angels were humbled by his presence. They were crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Here's what Isaiah saw. That one who's calling is not my preacher. It's not the president. It's not the prime minister. It's God Almighty. He's where he's always been. High and lifted up. He's what he's always been. Holy, holy. Holy. Before the foundation of the world, he was God Almighty. When the world was spoken into being, he was God Almighty. When that little baby was born in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end, it was God Almighty. At the age of 12, he walks into the temple and the lawyers and the doctors had never heard anybody speak like that because he was God almighty. At the age of 30, began his public ministry. He walked all the way to the Jordan River to be baptized, not by John the Catholic or John the Presbyterian, John the non-denominationalist, but John the Baptist, because he was God Almighty. Three and a half years, he walked on the earth and started his local church with 
ordinary men and taught and trained them. At the age of 33 and a half years, they beat him and spit on him, nailed him to an old rugged cross, put a thief on the left and a thief on the right to try to make him look guilty. But he wasn't guilty because he was God Almighty. He walked 40 days, took those ordinary men and said, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I'm not starting an organization. I'm starting an organism called the church. And he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He could say that because he was God Almighty. He ascended to heaven, seated on the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for you and for me because he is God Almighty. And one day, because he is God Almighty, he's coming back as we heard them sing about. That's what Isaiah had to realize. It's not King Uzziah. It's God Almighty. He's where he's always been, high and lifted up. And when he became conscious of God's position, all he could say was, wow! Look at this God who wants somebody to go for him. You know what he did after that? He said, wow, look at God. But whoa, whoa, look at me. I'm not worthy. I'm undone. I'm unclean. I can't serve this kind of God. And we see in verses 6 and 7, he said, I need something. I need to be cleansed. And the picture of those coals put on his lips was the forgiveness and the forgetfulness of this holy God. And when he was cleansed, then he could say, wow, look at God. Whoa, look at me. But now that I'm cleansed, well, here am. I. I wonder when God looks down upon his churches today, say they have a concern for missions. How many men, women, boys, and girls are still wild about a holy God? Still wild about a God who's high and lifted up. And every time you take a look at him, the best you're going to find about you is, whoa, whoa. What a mess I'm in. The kind of person that's calling, I'm not worthy to go until I've been cleansed up. We're ever going to really understand missions. We better find some men, women, boys, and girls in the local church that'll have a vision, a vision of self. And its relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that gets me going. That gets me giving. That gets me praying. That gets me looking. That puts everything to the side because there's a holy, high God in heaven that saved my soul and now wants to use me around the world. But I've got too many other things going on in my life. To say, here am I, send me. So the best I can say, whoa, whoa, look at me. For mine eyes have seen the king. I wonder today if we wouldn't have more call to the mission field. If we had more of God's people 
but just wild enough about God to be woe enough about ourselves to be able to say, well, here am I. God, take a look at me and show me where I am. Without a vision, I'll perish. I'll become ungovernable, without restraint, uncaring, won't give, won't go, won't pray, won't serve. Give me a vision about self and its relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now very quickly, let's go to the New Testament and I want you to see another one, Acts chapter nine. We need a vision of self and its relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. When it comes to missions, I not only need a vision of self and its relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, but I need a vision that the greatest missionary in all of the Bible had, the Apostle Paul. We pick it up in Acts chapter 9, verse number 3, And he journeyed, and he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell on the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the prick. And he, trembling, astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth. I need a vision of self and its relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I need a vision like the Apostle Paul had. A vision of service through the local church. You find out in this vision, Paul saw something that changed his whole life. In verse number five, he saw a vision that led him to the point where he got saved God's way. Let me say today, if you're here today and you've never been born again by the Spirit of God, your prayer ought to be today, God show me that I'm lost on my way to hell and show me that Jesus loved me enough to die for me. He was buried, was raised from the dead. Give me a proper view of that that will lead to my salvation. Paul got saved God's way. Verse number six, after he was saved God's way in that vision, he said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? He surrendered to God's word. You're saved today. You ought to say, God, give me a vision that I'll surrender to your word. What do you want me to do? Verse number 11, we find him praying. He got saved God's way, surrendered to God's word. Then he, he prayeth. What was he doing? Seeking God's will. God, I'm saved now. I see that. God, I've surrendered to your word. I see that. God, I understand something. I've got a clear vision that the rest of my life, I ought to seek your will for my life. Then you follow him. From that point, from verse 20 on, he not only got saved God's way, surrendered to God's word, sought God's will, but the rest of his life, he served in God's work. If Paul were in the church today, he had an immediate witness. He had an instant testimony. He had an impact upon other people. Why? He had a vision 
a vision that led to salvation, a vision that led him to surrender to the word, a vision that led him to seek God's will and the rest of his life. He served in God's work. Oh, would we understand today that the church is not a social club, it's not an organization, it's an organism that's on alive and on fire for God and any saved person ought to surrender to the word, ought to seek God's will and ought to serve in God's work. May we have an appreciation for this organism called the church that gets my time, gets my talent, gets my treasure. Why? I had a vision, a proper view of why God saved me, what his word wants me to do, what his will is for my life, and what my work ought to be in his organism called the church. Acts chapter 16, very quickly. Here's the third vision I want us to see. A vision of self in its relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. I need a vision of my service, not somebody else, in the local church. Acts chapter 16, verse number 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over in the Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. I need a vision of self, its relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every Christian person needs a vision of your service through the local church. But every child of God needs a vision for souls and their lost condition in this world. Paul had a clear vision here. He understood that the lost were calling, come over, come over, and help us. Do you look at people on your job, in your community, in the grocery store, people to ride on the bus with, people you ride on the train with, and say if they lost their calling. Hey, Christian, come on. You've got something I need. Paul knew the lost were calling. He said immediately, we endeavored to go. He knew that the Lord he served had commanded him to go. And he knew that labors needed to come. Why? He had a vision. He understood what he heard. How many missions conferences do we have to sit in? How many DVD presentations do we need to see? How many testimonies do we need to hear? How many messages preached do I need to hear? That will open my, my eyes and open my heart to understand. Lost people die and go to a Christless eternity without Jesus Christ. 
God, give me a vision that the lost are calling. The Lord has commanded to go and labors which I am one needed to come. And then one more and then we'll end. Back to Luke chapter 10. I need a vision of self and his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about a proper view of the word of God. I need, to, I need to see him high and lifted up. I'm not a candidate to be used by God until I'm wild enough about God to be woed enough about me that I can say, well, here am I. I need that, Lord. Give me that vision. Change my life. If I'm a member of a local church, I need a vision that now I'm saved. I ought to surrender to God's word. I ought to seek God's will. And I want to serve in God's work. Give it my time, talent, and treasure. I need a vision to see people lost without Jesus Christ. And to hear them saying, come, help me. But here's another vision we as Bible-believing, independent Baptists fail to see. I don't have time to read this whole passage, but this is about Cornelius. Cornelius, in the first few verses, was praying. God gave him a vision, told him to go see a man by the name of Peter. We pick it up in verse number nine. Peter, they go, he says, on tomorrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed that coal, not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what the, this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men uh, which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have seen them. We need a vision of self and its relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. A vision of service through the organism called the local church. I need a vision for souls in their lost condition. But as Bible-believing Christians today, I need a vision of the Savior's love for all creatures. The Savior's love. Missions about reaching all creatures. All of us are creatures. And the Lord Jesus Christ died for the world. Peter had a problem. Peter thought salvation was only for the Jews. And God had to teach him a lesson and in that vision I don't have time to go this whole passage he saw some things that all of us need to see today here's the first thing Peter understood in this vision that everybody 
is reachable. The gospel will save anyone. It'll save those people in Nepal. It'll save people across the street. It'll save the drunk. It'll save anybody. Peter needed to understand that. And sometimes we as independent Baptist Bible believers, we think God is selective as to who he's going to save. Peter had a proper view. God, show me something. Though Those are not creatures. They're people that need the gospel. And if I'm saved, everybody is reachable. Also in that vision, he learned something else. Everybody is responsible. If I'm saved, I have a responsibility to reach everybody with the gospel. When he went back to Cornelius' house and he had them all gathered there, he gave them the gospel. And guess what? Cornelius' house got saved. Peter says, I understand. Everybody is reachable. I'm responsible. If I give them the gospel, many will respond. He also understood that everybody's to be respected. He started, they started bowing down. He says, get up. God's no respecter of person. He died for the world. And guess what? After they got saved, later on in the chapter, they got baptized and became a part of this organism called the church. And Peter had to learn that. What did God that we learn today that every lost person ought to be saved. Every lost person ought to get into a good local church. And every lost person ought to have the same opportunity that we sit and listen to every Sunday morning and oftentimes take it for granted rather than appreciating what God has done when he sent his son to die for the world and for lost mankind. If I don't have that kind of vision when it comes to missions, forget about me ever being willing to go. Forget about me ever wanting to give. Forget about me ever shedding tears for the souls of mankind. Forget about me ever giving my time and talent to the local church where I ought to. But maybe during this missions conference, this final Sunday, you can say what Isaiah said. I need a vision to see where Isaiah stands with his God. And when he saw him, who he was. He was so convicted about his position. He got so convicted about his predicament and said, I need to be cleansed by his power. And once he was cleansed by his power, now God says, I can use you now. Go. Maybe there's some people in here like that. Just need to take a look at Jesus today and then a good look at you. And say, how about the coals of forgiveness on my lips to get me ready? Maybe there's some people in the local church today. You say, you know what? I've been saved God's way. But I've never surrendered to God's word. I'm not really seeking God's will. And I'm certainly not serving the way I ought to in God's work. Maybe there's some Christians here today to say, you know what? I look at people sometimes and I say, oh, that person would never take a track. That person would never witness. That person would never come to church. Maybe you ought to realize that that person will die and go to hell without somebody telling them about Jesus. And maybe you look at people and you see them where they are. And you're like, Peter, I see creatures. Well, God sees creatures that need to be saved. Everybody is a creature and the Savior 
loves all people. Where there is no vision, people like us will perish, will become ungovernable, without restraint, uncaring, callous, like hundreds of people are like in fundamental, Bible-believing, independent, Baptist churches all over the world. Many I've been in, preached to people in the church I pastored that have no vision for missions that moves them to have a proper view to change their life, change their direction. And yes, they're perishing all the time while the world is dying and going to a place called hell. God give us a vision. Let's bow our heads in prayer.